evening and welcome to NeuroDigest with me, your host, Sylvia Moramo-Chabo and my science interpreter, Maureen. And uh, we will touch up on a bit on what we touched on last week, where we discussed autism and the signs and symptoms. We touched on behavioral, on the behaviors of an autistic person. We touched a bit on the medical concerns like sleep, insomnia, jaundice, and uh, the seizures that children could be having at an early age and their lactose intolerance. We also looked at the developmental disorders that we might experience as persons with autism. These are the milestones that we expect when a child is 9 months, 18 months, 12 months and 24 months. And we noted that we need to pay a close attention when we notice that our children are not reaching the milestones as is expected. In terms of their sensory responses, social behaviors, their verbal um, milestones and, and behaviors in general where they're in uh, social settings. Those expectations are some of the key things that we look at to give us a hint that a child could be autistic. This, uh, today we will be diving a bit deeper on trying to see how do we go actually look at autism conclusively. We've said it is an, a spectrum, meaning that they're very many things that could be showing signs of someone being autistic and that not one person is equal to the other in terms of the signs and symptoms that they display and let's just touch a bit on some facts files on autism did you know that one in every 59 persons has autism and apart from that when it comes to the ages that in in europe we have uh, early diagnosis as early as 18 months while in other minority backgrounds, that is Africa, Asia, and the likes, we have diagnosis as uh, late as four to six plus years. This is something that needs to be looked at, and that's what we're doing, this uh, awareness, so that parents are able to identify and take their children out to be checked in good time, because early diagnosis is what will help a child uh, get us help in good time, meaning that they'll be able to deal with the signs and symptoms and be able to live a better life, depending on which area of the spectrum that requires most attention. Then, apart from that, did you know that boys are four times more likely to get autism than girls? If you did not know, now you know. Now let us touch a bit on causes of autism. This has been quite a great, great debate all over the world that is still ongoing because there is no certain cause of autism. Very many people have said different things about why people become autistic. And if I listen to all the different mothers and their stories, their similarities and everyone has their aspect of why they think that their children became autistic. Because uh, screening of autism and diagnosis of autism, be it being a spectrum, is very difficult. Because it's not like malaria where you go, take your blood sample, and it's either positive or negative. And also autism also takes time because you can have your checks because of the delayed symptoms at around two years you can be able to, ch to check then around four to six years also you get the affirmation and then we have the aspergers which comes around seven to nine which is also a part of the three levels of autism so with that in mind we have people discussing about vaccines, that vaccines could be cause of autism. Different scientists have tried to prove it differently, that they're, that the people who have autism, if you look at the content uh, of their stomach, there is a certain aspect of uh, a chemical that is found in vaccines that is found there, while others do not believe that vaccines contribute. We have the genetics, 
the history of a family where you find if a child has one child has autism tendencies of another child that you give birth to having autism is high so that means you need to play to pay very close attention once you have one child who is autistic and uh, the other thing we have is uh, environmental characteristics we know that we are having a lot of climatical changes and if we look at the statistics of autism it has risen very first and uh, to, for it to be right now at uh, 1 to 58 currently as of the latest statistics that we have under CDC. Um, when we look at um, most parents uh, who I have personally engaged with, you will find that a lot of the parents whose children are autistic have similarities of children being born before term. This means they were premature. That is one of the aspects that we have also noted that is very high. And um, the characteristics of also what surrounds the reasons of why the child came early, like delayed labor, uh, drained uh, amniotic fluid, such things that hinder the most conducive uh, environment of a child when a woman is pregnant, are some of the things that the stories that we've had on the ground. In Africa, we're currently having the, uh, the age of four being how early we are able to diagnose autism, which is a bit late, considering that the child's brain stops developing most of the time around nine to ten years. So that means you have a shorter period to actually work towards the brain development of your child through the various means of supplement and actually training of the brain so that they, the child gets to take in a lot of the information. And don't forget, engage us, ask your questions on our Twitter handle, Mora, Sylvia, or Andy Speaks 4, or Science TV. And you can also interact with us on Instagram and also on Facebook. For any of the questions that you could be having, engage with us and then we'll be able to answer the questions that you could be having. Even from the previous episodes that we've had, if there's anything that you'd like for us to touch back on, ask and we are here for you to help you with that. When we look at the diagnosis of autism, we shall invite an assessor sometime soon to come and get deeper into that because there are different ways of uh, different standards according to the various parts of and various scientists and doctors who use different ways of uh, uh, diagnosis. Some that have been a source of argument, others that parents have at least tried to adopt. But today we're going to discuss it in a different angle. So don't go far. We'll go on a short break and then we'll be right back as we dive into the various ways of how we look and how we get to verify that a child is actually autistic apart from the various signs and symptoms that we have discussed. Stay tuned and let's see you shortly. Neurodigest with me, Sylvia Moramo Chabo, and my interpreter Maureen. And uh, we are back discussing about diagnosis of autism. Remember, we had mentioned about the behavior characteristics, developmental, and medical concerns that are three of the aspects when you're looking at the autism spectrum disorder to be able to get a definite diagnosis or if a child is autistic. 
Now, we won't get deeper into this. What exactly is looked at when a child is being diagnosed? Normally, their diagnosis is usually done by an assessor. And after an assessor, we can also go talk to a psychologist a neuro, ne pediatric neurologist to be very specific because they're tests that they have to do but let us go into this step by step we usually encourage early diagnosis for the fact that the earlier you detect autism the better it is for a child to have an easier life and to be able to adapt to all the changes that come along with it so the diagnosis process when one goes to the doctor you spend a couple of days or and actually hours in a day as you try to understand the child we put them in different environments and see how it is that they interact with the various items and people and also object reactions and physical so let's see some of the questions that you will get to be asked will be mostly about the birth history so the doctors are usually very keen on exactly how your pregnancy went from the minute you discovered you're pregnant to all the three trimesters and if there was any difficulties so that they're able to identify if anything was amiss. Apart from that, there is also the past medical history. They'd like to know you as a parent, your husband. Do you have any history of any chron chronic illnesses like asthma, bronchitis, diabetes? These are some of the questions that the doctors will always ask you. Then we have the comprehensive review where they will ask all the general questions about um, your lifestyle and uh, if there was any trauma the time you were carrying your pregnancy and stuff like that to look at um, the general aspects of the child's growth. And then we have the social history. This is where they will try and find out how is your child interacting with other children? How do they interact at home? Who are they attached to? What toys do they like? What exactly do they like doing during their free time? And when you take them out to spend time with other people, how do they react? Do they interact with everyone else? Or do they go and get isolated? How do they respond to the expectations of emotions? Like when you, when you go tickling a child, do they tickle back? The eye contact like we had earlier mentioned, and also the Google gaggers that usually children show irrespect to when they are happy, when they are sad, because some autistic children actually are do not respond to emotional um, situations. Like you expect them to laugh at something, they just laugh. They will just stare at you. And then we have multi-generational multi-generational family history. This is where the doctor wants to find out in your family was there any other person who was autistic or displayed any other um, type of disorders, for lack of a better word, in your family, either the father's side, the mother's side, and they will actually send you back to find out from your parents. Is there anyone who was autistic and you go down? Is there anyone who had issues like convulsive, uh, epilepsy or convulsive disorders and stuff like that? Because these are some of the ways that, remember we had mentioned that autistic can, is, uh, has shown tendencies of being a genetic disorder. So when they seek to find your family history and they find that there was someone down the line in your generations, uh, your fathers, your forefathers who had suffered from any of this, then it would explain why your child is autistic. Then we have the developmental milestones. You see, this keeps coming up. We said, parents, you better be very keen when your child is growing up. You have to be sure and have your checklist 
at nine months what is expected of your child at 18 months 24 months up until 30 months and you keep checking so are they walking at the time they're supposed to are they talking in the same speed they're supposed to be talking how many words are they saying according to the expectation with their age groups and how are they in relation to others and what is expected of a child by certain ages then we have the education history have you been able to take your child to school remember our children also learn at home so things like naming the items in the house by a certain age do they understand how do they communicate when they want something do they say it or do they point at it because you find most autistic kids who are non-verbal will always pull you and take you to where what it is that they want rather than say give me this or that because they do not have the cognitive of actually saying the words so and uh you'll find that the kids are able to rotate count. This means repeating the one, two, three, up until like 10. So when they can say that after you give them the cue to start, like you say one, will the child take it up and continue saying it? And actually just identifying photos also, like if you remove a photo book, are they able to read the action? Are they able to tell you this is a cow or a, a cat or this is a farm, this is a car? Such things, those are the educational history that we look at. And you also find when it is late, you find that a child who's gone to school and they're not able to catch up with the rest of the class. Those are some of the things that you have to look at. So it's not that the child is stupid as most people would like to say or say that they are slow learners. But you need to pay keen attention because remember, we have learning disabilities that are also associated with autism. So you'd rather find out is he dyslexic or is it that they are slow, is it that they are not um keen with certain subjects so these are some of the things that we really need to pay attention to as parents and look at then we come to the other part which is the physical exam so we have the neurologic exam whereby we have the doctor checking on the sensory neuron this is where like if you tickle a child will they respond how is the threshold for pain will they feel the pain immediately remember we talked about uh, autism being a neurodevelopmental disorder meaning it is the nervous system the communication between the head to the spine to the nervous system so how does the child react are they too sensitive to some of the sensories or are they just right as how it is expected then we have the motor response motor response means movement that is the fine motor skill Normally you will have a regular child at a certain age knowing how to reach out to something. They can hold a pen finely. They're able to scribble. And you find with the children who have ASD that they will have difficulty maintaining that pattern of either holding a pen or coloring within boundaries or doing things that require a lot of attention because they find motor skills, that is the movement of either the hands or their feet, is not very fine. And you find that uh, also walking, that they might be delayed in walking or they will stagger a bit. The other thing about children with autism, that uh, especially the very the high dependent, uh, I don't want to say low functioning, but the high dependent persons on the spectrum, you find that they have a lot of physical um, issues. So you find that if, when it comes to, to movement, I'll give an example of my child, he has a flat foot, meaning that the, the arc that's usually below the foot is not there, he's quite flat. Meanwhile, he's walking, you have the foot going inwards and they look like they have knocked knees, sort of. Because of that flatness, then the knees get to knock each other. And that means their balance or when they're walking is very low 
and that means they're going to be very prone to falling and accidents that involve a lot of very fast movement. And we advise that children get insoles so that the arc can grow in time and keep changing it according to, and you start early so that the body can reform in time. Then we have reflexes of the eyes. This is where you find either child will have uh, knocked eyes or they will have blurry vision. And th so the doctor, what we will do, they will look at their response when they put light in, in their eyes and also ask some of the questions. But we have, um, apart from that, then we have like hearing. This is usually within the first two years of a child's life. And we find most of the time the children who are autistic being misdiagnosed that they are actually deaf. While in turn, if they actually can hear you, it's just that they're not talking. That means they're nonverbal or slow to speech. So it will take time and you have to be very keen and pay attention to all these small, small symptoms that we have lying around. Then we have dysmorphology, which is the exam where they check for birth defects. This is done by the doctor when you take the child for checkups. Did you ever notice when the, the, the doctor takes a tape measure and measures the head circumference of a child? That is where that they're checking for these deformations. Because a child circumference is expected to be a certain size according to their age. So when the child's head is either bigger in circumference as uh, when what it is supposed to be, that's one of the signs that the doctors look out for. You will also find that they check the length of the child according to their age and also the circumference either of the abdomen also. And then they also check for other birth anomalies and malformations like um, cleft lip. We have cleft lip. We have the eyes if they're uh, focal or they're cross-eyed. And then their legs, like we just mentioned earlier, are they okay? You find that we have children whose legs will be tilted in form in, in such that it is at an angle and not flat. Others, you find that it has actually bent or changed direction. These are some of the things that the doctors also look for when they're doing the diagnosis. Apart from that, we have the social behavior. These are more of the questions and very many things that the doctors check when they're trying to do that diagnosis of a child. That we have the social behavior. The child is put in an environment where at their age, they're expected to interact and react uh, to, certain in, uh, to certain things like, it's example, play. If you leave the child alone, what will they choose? Then they're put for items, different items, so that we see how they interact with the item. Will they interact, uh, like we had said some time back, if it's a boy and you put all these toys, do they incline towards the cars? If it's a girl, will they go towards the baby dolls and stuff like that? Because that is the social norm. That is what is like biologically expected of children. And you will find with autistic children, they ha don't have that alignment per se. And they get attracted to the more queer items that are there. So you will find them ignoring what you, it is that you expect them to do and go for things that they are more attached to. Then we show, we show also the attachment of odd objects. You find that in, when they're in uh, specific areas, they would like to have a specific item with them all the time. These are some of the other behaviors that now you as a parent, when you go for this analysis, you were supposed to be informing the doctors during the Q&A session about their social behaviors, apart from the, small, uh, the amount of time that they shall be exposed to these items and the social settings so that we are able to see how do they interact. And remember I mentioned we're going to invite one of the professionals to come 
and guide us and tell us more about this diagnosis and the entire steps in detail from a professional and uh, I hope we have touched a bit on that and now you know what you expect when you go for diagnosis at least the tip of it because and you will need to book in advance and you need to take your time remember we have the special needs info hub website where we, we're going to be listing where you can get such services of the doctors the neurologists and the schools and basically as a special needs parent it will be your home to go for your info of everything that you need around your child as they grow now um the things that will affect uh, your surrounding when a child is autistic involves their routine how do they spend their day do they change things or are they very rigid in how they do things and when they do it and in a specific way about uh, and even how do they transition from one activity to the other is it easy or do they cause a tantrum when you try and change something then their communication that's the other environment that you look at you have to look at the family in the home the relatives the immediate family who are they inclined to how do they relate with everyone within the the nuclear and the extended family then you have to look also at the interaction in the social scene, the school community at large for the children who will have been put either in playgroup or in preschool. Apart from that, then there is the social change. When you remove your child from their normal environment and you put them in a different environment, let's say you go to church at a specific place and then you change. How do they behave towards such changes in their life? These are some of the things that we also as a parent can take note of and to help in trying to identify if your child is autistic or not because all this, remember we said, it's a spectrum. So all these small, small items are the ones that when put together and consolidated, you're able to gauge if your child is on the spectrum or not. And this is normally done between the years, the two, two, years up until six and above but the earlier the better we'll take a small break and when we come back we shall look at a bit of the steps that and the, what you expect as a parent because your life will change it is not easy when you get your diagnosis so what do you do who do you run to what do you expect from the community how do you handle it as a parent as a family who do you tell what because trust me it is a life-changing moment for you we'll try and just help you walk through it and so don't go away and we'll be right back with me sylvia moramo chavo and my interpreter maureen maeda so stay tuned and stay with us Digest with me Sylvia Moramo Chabo and my interpreter Maureen. Now we're going to go through some of the emotions and some of the challenges that a parent goes through once they find out that their children or child is autistic. It's usually one of the hardest things as a parent because remember we all expect a bundle of joy. We all have expectations of a perfect child. Don't fret, remember. Every child is special just the way they are. 
So we need you to embrace your child with all their difference. Just embrace and love them. The first thing that normally goes through your mind is 20,000 questions of why. You start feeling guilty. Then you end up sometimes getting depressed. I will not lie, I've been through that road. And depression is not the best thing when you have a child who needs you the most at that time. So we ask the, the friends, family, and immediately your partner, that could be your husband or uh, whoever who is closest to you. I'm saying this because uh, you find that we have situations where a person is a single parent. So you need to have someone close to walk this journey with and walk with you. And for husbands, let's try and embrace. Remember, I know we're African and all the time we will say it is your fault as the woman, while it's not. I hope now we were educated enough to know it's just a neurological disorder. And this issues about it is a curse, or oh, you did this or that. We've had very, very funny stories about why someone gets a child with autism. Someone uh, once upon a time actually asked their friend if they've been checked for syphilis, which has nothing to do with autism. Someone else uh, was asked if they were unfaithful when they were breastfeeding the other child. And these are ridiculous questions that we get to hear from friends and family. And we'd like for you as a community to embrace and give a parent a break at this time. Remember, they're going through a very tough time. So your support is what they need the most. And you as the mother, don't guilt trip yourself. It is not your fault. Remember, God never gives you what you cannot handle. And you will be shocked at how much you will learn in the journey of raising a special needs child. The second thing you should do is educate yourself about autism. Get to learn all these aspects about autism like we're trying to do for you right now to educate you and to make you understand what are the causes, what to look out for, how to handle various issues. And as you progress in this uh, season, you will get to be fully equipped and to be able to understand the entire spectrum at the best we can try. We're just here to work with you. Remember, we have a lot of also online communities. And uh, this is one area that also, as much as I'd encourage, remember, when you're in that platform, just be you. Listen out. Don't start guilt tripping yourself because so-and-so's child has done this and yours has not. Do not compare your child to anyone else's child. Remember, we've said this is a spectrum. So no child is equal to the other. Everyone reaches their milestone at their own time. We will celebrate even the smallest, smallest milestone as the day they say hi, or they say they do two sentence words, or the day they just go for potty on their own. Remember, we have children who are autistic take a very long time to be potty trained, and also that can be very depressing for parents. And apart from that, read about all the services that you require. This is like the speech therapy. Read about IBA, read about ABA, read about um, uh, occupational therapy and physiotherapy and what it will do for your child. Sorry, I'm using a lot of jargon, but if we go into the details, it's going to be another session altogether. But we will dive into those therapies uh, at a later episode. Uh, apart from that, just get to know what works, what, what has worked for someone else and try and also educate yourself on how to have a routine, for example. Your child, uh, autistic children thrive when they have routine. I wake up, I do this and maintain that consistency. That makes it easier for them to have a day that is uh, not so clogged up. 
they remember autistic persons don't like disorder and they don't like sudden change so the best thing is to have consistency in your house and if you if you actually put them into a routine it's going to be an easier time for both of you and to give you less meltdowns remember we said for autistic children it is not tantrums they are called meltdowns because they are trying to adjust to certain changes that they don't know how to process so embrace that and as a parent stay positive don't look at the, what they cannot do. Focus on what they have managed to do and thrive to build that. Because the more negative you are, the more you're not gonna be able to identify the small milestones that our children actually make. So even when you go to those chat rooms, celebrate every small milestone that your child actually gets to do. And then we need to have safety measures around the house. Remember we have different uh, different degrees of uh, characters and behaviors in our children. We have children who uh, cannot stand light, who cannot stand very loud um, voices and sounds. We have the children who cannot stand certain textures. So take time and understand what your child can and cannot stand. And make sure the environment in the house is actually put safely to adjust to what your child likes. Then we have children who have self-injury behaviors these are the ones like uh, the child who gets to bang themselves their heads in, in or trying to adjust themselves and to just deal with the sensory overload that they have so it will be wise for such children you have a head helmet ensure your walls are padded also have locks remember we have characteristics like wandering whereby you have a child just walks away and they disappear We've had so many cases where children get lost and remember they, they're non-verbal most of the time, hence they cannot tell you who they are or where they come from. So as parents, ensure your locks are well, well done and that you have gates in the necessary places. Keep them off the kitchen until they're uh, old enough and they understand their, the dangers. But remember we also mentioned that autistic children sometimes have a high sense of uh, pain and apart from that, that their sense of fear could be lacking. Lacking in that they would not know that I'm supposed, if it's a car, I'm supposed to step away from it. You'll find the child going towards the car instead. So these are some of the things that we have to make sure that we, ha we try and tell them, try and illustrate to them that they need to keep up. So you have to work on your child. Then you have to also, all the things that we read, check your sources. Check your sources. Remember, Google is your friend, but it's not all everything that you read is true. So you need to do your research and be patient with your child. Take time to get to know them. Take your time to also help them attain milestones like potty training, the walking, as slow as their speech will be coming. Walk this journey with them. Only then will you be able to appreciate every small um, milestone that they achieve. Then the other thing that we most likely like doing as Africans is locking our children up. My fellow parents, please. This is not the way to go. We know that uh, in our rural areas, they know, the parents do not understand. And we end up locking our children because of the stigma that we go through, because of how people make fun of our children. And in other areas, for some of the parents who raise their children single-handedly, you have the battle of, I cannot afford daycare, I don't have anyone to leave my child with, so I'd rather lock them up and go and try and fend for them. But just go out. Let people understand. That's the only way people will be able to understand what you're going through. That's the only way people will be able to embrace your child. 
because they will have seen the child, they will have understood how they behave, they will actually be that extra help that you need. Because if I find your child outside and I understand that they are autistic and maybe they're non-verbal or they have self-injury behavior or they're wanderers, I'll be able to take your child back in. But if I am not informed or I've never seen the child, I would not know what to do as a good neighbor. So we encourage you to make sure you go outside. I'll give you a story. There's a lady who went to church with the baby and the child decided today is the day we're removing our clothes. So you can imagine your child running, mumbling things from the end of the church all the way to the pulpit and starts jumping up and down while the younger brother runs behind him saying, no, we don't run naked in public. So you can imagine yourself in such a scenario. It can be quite embarrassing. And as special needs parents, we grow such a thick skin that such things happen and we just walk straight up, take them, clothe them and go sit back like nothing happens while deep down inside, oh God, we're dying. We actually practically die. So you'll just rock up the next day like nothing happens and that's how you soldier on in all these embarrassing situations. I will always have times when you get overloaded because raising a special child is a lot of work. Those moments will come. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Make sure you have that inner circle of people who will always be at a phone call away. That if you just say a certain code, they will understand what is going on and come to your side. It is not easy. But remember we said you have to educate those who are close to you, your family and your friends. So that that way they will also be able to understand your child. They'll be able to embrace the child and be able to deal with the different situations that may arise depending on the various behavioral characters that we have in the autistic spectrum. So do not just sit and wallow in sadness and get depressed over nothing. Just talk to somebody. If you need one day off, tell someone, I need you to sit in for one hour. And it's not just go to, like, take yourself out for a day, the spa, or go sit with other women and have an adult day and laugh and just be just you. Like if you're Sylvia, I'll be like, it's a Sylvia day. I do that a lot. I've set my week in a way that I, I've, I've programmed it. I have work, I have my children in the day, I have split my time. There is the day that someday I know it's day with my kids, so I brace myself the day before. Saturday and Friday's end of day is me time. So I take time to be an adult. I take time to be myself with my friends. So that when Sunday comes, I am so geared up that I have missed my kids and I want and I want to spend time with them. Not that, it, that it's ultimately that like you cannot spend time with them even on Saturdays, but at least once a month, I have to make sure that I have that time fully to myself. That's the only way you can keep sane because it can be a handful. When it comes to medical issues, we have a challenge in our country with that. But try and get a medical insurance and you explain to them. This will come in handy, especially when you have very severe emergencies. Uh, it might not last for uh, for a long time, especially for parents whose autistic children have medical conditions. We know it can last us only like three months, but at least have something for emergencies. Have a medical cover that will cater for those dire moments when you actually, a child gets uh, hospitalized. We don't pray that they do, but you better always be prepared and have that person who also can advise you on what to do. Also, uh, when you're buying items for your house, make sure you have a corner for your child where they can have their own time, where they can have items that are used for sensory. Read about it. Make uh, Do yourself um, a favor by make reading online on how to do DIY, like do it yourself. 
to make things that toys that are educative for your child and apart from that you can actually have a sensory room for your child where the child can um, be able to have their calming sessions when they are going through a meltdown or something like that so um, remember do not do not compare your child to another person's child your child is unique they're different remember what we said last time developmental delays are just commas and not full stops your child will still get there and as we wind up please dear parents take your time and educate yourself that's the best gift you can do to your child because one what you understand you'll be able to embrace and like we always say in the autistic world embrace love and care and if there's anything you can do just be kind that's the best you can do for an autistic person and try and understand what it is that they're going through thank you for being such a lovely audience with me sylvia moramo chabo here on neurodigest and my interpreter maureen maida we see you next week as we look at the medical conditions that are underlying with autism spectrum disorder so that we get to understand and know how to deal with some of these things see you next week thank you